train. Everybody take off your mask. Hey, 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 take it easy, man. What are you doing? Oh, my God. Stay with your date. I don't want to get back on that track. Nobody does. Help! Please! Nice gang. Help! You'll die. This temperature, you'll die. You'll die. You'll die. Come on, no. Come on. No. today i think oh wow so we're only off by a few days <laughs> listeners this time around i guess you're listening to chewing the scenery horror movie podcast we are a podcast that talks about a horror movie which we will spoil and uh recently watched which we will make some efforts to not spoil it wasn't david copperfield <laughs> oh i've got stuff to say about that just david. gonna say right now as much as I wanted it to be David Copperfield. It just, it just wasn't. It wasn't. His, his stare was not intense enough. Um, you know what I forgot to do last time? I forgot to thank the Moonrays. Oh, really? So I'm going to do this twice in this episode. Thank you, Moonrays. Thank you to the Moonrays for giving us that song, Intro Creature Features. That song, Intro Creature Features, at the top of the show. Um, you can find their music on Amazon or iTunes if you want to buy it digitally. Or say hello to them on Facebook where they are the Moon-Rays. And uh, we thank them a third time now, so we're up one in case I forget again in the future. It's such a great band, Spooky Surf Rock, if you want to call it something. And uh, just a great recreation of, uh, of the intro to Creature Features, the old show that we would watch in Chicago. And it, was, uh, it was great. We had our, uh, we had our horror movies, and, and they used that Henry Mancini theme with a narration. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, it, it went from being experiment and terror to the creature features theme. So there's that. But uh, we're your hosts, and we're not professional critics. We're just uh, three friends uh, hanging out in a spare room uh, talking about a horror movie. And uh, I'm Richard. I'm here with Will. Hello. And Jolian. Hello. It's a new year. But Jolian, do you want to explain to our listeners why we're not going to do a top 10 of the decade? <laughs> Well, I just think uh, this is the last year of the decade. Yeah, there was no year zero. You didn't start a decade on zero, do you? When you're born, you're not one year old. Yeah. Okay, fair enough. So, uh, 
So why did we party like it was 1999 in 1999 instead of in 2000 when it was about to roll over to 2001? Because it looks more impressive. I guess. When your car rolls over from, you know, 1999 to 2000. Sure. Same the odometer. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to 2000 to 2001. Yeah. It's only one one little wheel turn. So sure. But, you know. Instead for, of all of them. For us, it's a whole trip around the sun, you know? It's all marketing. <laughs> You're You've right, You've got man. a question. It's all marketing. No, I... <laughs> I think you're onto something with that. You're, there are no generations. It's just marketing. It's all marketing. Did any of the generations before the so-called baby boom, the so-called baby boomers, call themselves anything? I don't think they did. It was just like the Edwardian age, or yeah, yeah. Whoever is the current leader. Yeah. What are you going to do? I mean, like, go back in time and say, "Oh yeah." Other than these periods. Uh, the generations were called this or that, and where do you draw the line in between them? Mm-hmm. Because by definition, isn't a generation 30 years? Yeah, 25, 30 years, yeah. 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 So, whatever. N- none of it matters. In, in Japan, they have the emperor. It marks the era. That's the, right. The time. Yeah. So you, you've got uh, at least something important. So we're just finishing up. We've just finished up uh, the... Hisei era, and now we're into. I think it's Ray Wise, the new one. Oh, okay. So, uh, guys, what did you do for your new year? Will, you weren't well. I was not well. And uh, so, did you just. just Spent a lot of time sleeping. Oh, sleeping it off. Did you uh, get woke up by the fireworks? No, no, no. That's good. I didn't hear it at all. Yeah. Um, didn't do much. The neighbors around here get a hold of commercial grade fireworks all the time. Mm-hmm. It's alarming to me. Mm. I mean the the window rattling explosions that occur. Oh yeah, I know. Where I lived uh, used to be like eighty five percent Latino, and they just love fireworks. And uh, they go up to the border mm-hmm. towns just across the border and load up more fireworks. Oh, you mean up in Wyoming? Yeah. Yeah. So you don't hear those like snappers going off for weeks and weeks. Oh, sure. Yeah, the stuff the kids could have. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, right? Yeah, it's really freak out sometimes. Animals. End of May. Mm-hmm. Uh, runs through <laughs> yeah. end of August. Yeah, Cinco de Mayo through uh, yeah. Independence Day and then yeah, and all around Christmas. Yeah, when I lived in Hawaii, um, New Year's Eve was the big time to set off fireworks. Yeah. And like all the cultures that come together in Hawaii love the fireworks. Mm. I have a great picture somewhere of these two little kids. You could tell they were told, we're going to do it, but you're going to have to sweep up tomorrow. <laughs> like two little kids, like mm-hmm. four and six years old, maybe sweeping up all this red paper. And it's like shin deep on them. It's great. Because uh, right. they would buy those big crated, just like the big pinwheel rolled up mm-hmm. firecrackers. Get the string started, like throw something up over the power line and get the string started and just reel it all the way up the phone pole and uh, just light it and the thing would just rain red paper down and, oh, and people would get a lot of them. Yeah. It was crazy. It was great. And then it would rain. <laughs> you had red paper stuck to everything. Yeah. Yeah. Oh. It's but always you- guaranteed to rain in New Mexico on the 4th of July. 
Yeah, it's just the only time it's going to rain. It just knows, doesn't it? In the summer, it? but it knows. <laughs> it knows just like it snows here for Halloween. Yeah. You know, I never trick or treated in Colorado, but I just imagine you knew as a kid Halloween was going to suck. You're going to be screwed. in your costume. <laughs> Part of you will be freezing and the rest will be bundled up in a parka. Sad. Yeah. What are you going to do, right? Well, we're drinking some of the last of uh, Jolien's homemade eggnog, and uh, and it seems appropriate mm. this this uh, festive time of year. Oh, did you guys know about the tradition of leaving the Christmas lights up here in Denver till the twentieth? Because yeah, for the end of the stock show. Uh huh. So visitors who maybe had to do a lot to get ready could enjoy seeing the lights while they're here for the show. Mm. So oh. yeah, or some reason like that. But that's who it's for. That's what they say. They, they say a lot of things, don't they? Yeah, they do. They make up all sorts of stories to cover up their laziness. <laughs> sure, you got your Bigfoots. Yeah, I got them. I, I don't take the lights down until the 20th of January or that, whatever, because it's a stock show. Yeah, whatever. That, you were just lazy. That's when Bigfoot leaves town. <laughs> that's when Bigfoot leaves town, yes. <laughs> Takes his sack of sticks and leaves town. <laughs> so, <laughs> Oh, my. So we so we all have some recently watched, I would imagine. I mean, Will, you were probably couch bound. Did you watch anything? Um, I watched a few things. I watched a, a bunch of baking and cooking competition shows that don't need to be mentioned. Okay. Um, Did you learn anything good? Well, British people are so nice on these television shows. <laughs> it's just it's so refreshing to see somebody say. Or, in this case, not say, I'm not here to make friends. Oh, okay. You know, they're like, these people they just met maybe two days ago, they're like, these are like my best friends I've ever met. (laughs) The British people are like, they're not. Besides my family, I just, wow, I love everybody in the house so much. You all get along. You know, and at the end of the show, they show little clips where like, they still get together on Fridays and cook. You know, like American shows, like, I'm going to stab her if she mm-hmm. looks at me, because I'm not here to make friends. <laughs> so Gordon Ramsay wasn't involved, is what you're saying. No, he's he changes, too. If you watch British Gordon Ramsay, British shows, I mean. Yeah, with him in it. With yeah. him in it. He's actually, I mean, he, he's a hothead. <laughs> he's always going to be a hothead. But he's a lot more pleasant sure. than the American shows. The, the guests are... Same way. Okay. Uh, British version of uh, Kitchen Nightmare is uh, way different. Okay. The American show, all they want to show is people fighting. Yeah. So it's just fighting and lots of beeping. Yeah. Uh, British shows, they do without the beeping, which is refreshing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they're not even, they don't even fight that much. You might uh. go, uh, I don't agree with Gordon. Right. I yeah. wasn't keen on his ideas. You know he's raging inside, but. <laughs> right. That's so funny. Uh, did you go with the with the, the page from Jolien's book and watch something great on on uh, New Year's Day? Uh, New Year's Day, no, I watched more crap. But uh, <laughs> I did watch. I was going to have a Wu Tang Christmas, but instead we had a Watchmen Christmas, which oh, okay. was a HBO show. I was not real sold on it because, frankly, I don't think DC should still have the Watchmen copyright. That's a whole nother. Yeah thing uh but i I'd, I'd heard enough 
interesting little bits from the from the series on HBO. I decided, well, we have a free week long HBO. Why not try and binge it? Yeah, and we binge it. It's only nine episodes. Yeah, it's really good. All right, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Um, better than I would have thought. Um, probably not as good as the comic. Um, <laughs> but interesting, interesting in a. Uh, I don't know. They they got the the tone perfect. Was Alan Moore involved at all? No, Alan Moore no. won't touch anything. No, that's, you know, is got it, DC's name on it. Is there bad blood there? Yeah, they okay. they told him he would get the rights back when the book was uh, out of print. Uh, but then they just keep printing the book. Uh, that's the short version. There's a lot more to it. Dick move. You know. Um, <clears throat> Look up Alan Moore. He, he talks about it. Well, sure. You know, uh, hopefully you can find an interview where he speaks about it because it's great. That's cool. <laughs> so you binged the whole miniseries. Yeah, but they set uh, they set the tone really well. Um, but they diverged from the story, didn't they? Um, no, they did really well from the comic. They follow the comic rather than the movie. So it has okay. it has the big squid and everything, and they follow from there. It's set today uh whereas watchmen took place mm-hmm. in 1985 so yeah. uh you know when you start off in the you start off in oklahoma and uh you kind of get a feel of the world cops now wear a mask like vigilantes mm-hmm. um and uh, there are some vigilantes out there there's this kind of goofy i don't know watchmen is still kind of goofy when you really think about it i mean it's a comic book Mm -hmm. you know and this is this is kind of neat because it's uh it's like uh whenever the first vigilante appeared in in the watchman universe hooded justice the whole all of reality became kind of a comic book reality um and that kind of carries on to this in in this story you know you have white supremacists in oklahoma who are, by virtue of being in the Watchmen universe, are kind of an evil supergroup, kind of. They're they're comic book villains, but they're also white supremacists. So it's it's a oh. it's a strange mix, but I think it works. I'm 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 not sure that they totally stick the I, I like the ending, but I'm not sure that it it really paid off with everything it set up totally. But I mean do they have another uh, series? No, hopefully they do no more. Okay. I hope this... I'm, I'm sure it was hugely popular and they're going to squeeze out another three, four seasons. Sure. Um, but if they were smart, they'd stop right now because it was it was actually a really well done... They're never smart uh, where money is involved. Yeah. Never. It was a really well done sequel to The Watchmen. A sequel that, that I didn't think was possible and didn't think uh, I would ever want. Yeah. I mean, unless somehow Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons got back together and, and did it. And even then, I don't know I would want that because we've seen when you go back to the well yeah. what happens too many times, X-Files. Oh, um, man. X-Files, X-Files looks like a bunch of little angels compared to The Walking Dead. I mean... Oh, I'm just... I mean more shows that have gone away. Oh, and come back. And have come back. Mystery Science Theater. 
Um, <laughs> you know, when you're when you've been gone for 25 years or so, I think it's better just to do something else yeah. rather than recapture that magic. Right, friends. Yeah. Did yeah. they come back? Fuller House. Um, no, I don't think so. Not yet. Well, they couldn't afford they're it. Still, probably. They're still talking about it. Mm. Like I, I think uh, that uh, Matthew Perry is the big holdout, and you know uh, they could just get uh, the guy from Buffy instead, right? <laughs> Matthew Perry's the big holdout. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So you have no cups. Yeah. Um, I think that's about all I watched. Yeah. Other than Terror Train. Terror Train! Yeah. That's, oh, that's going to be fun. Uh, Jolien, what about you? You got a list? Uh, yep, yep. So I watched a couple of Christmas favorites. Yeah. Um, so School of the Holy Beast. Oh, of yes, course, yes. Uh, 1974. Uh, Nothing fills me with that Christmassy feeling like nuns in bondage. Yeah. I, she gets to that point where she she's like, nails the, uh, the, you know, the, the chief baddie. Uh-huh. And she goes, uh, this is my Christmas present to you. Oh, and wow. that was the moment I knew this is, oh, yeah, this is top three <clears throat> Christmas movie for me. Yeah. That's great. Um, and also watched uh, The uh, Christmas Carol from 1951. The I Alistair Sim one. I had that sitting out because you gave me the copy of it uh, a year or two ago. Okay. Uh, may, it it might have been a couple of years ago. Yeah. I'm, that's, that's always great. Didn't um, get to it, though. Ernest Thesiger as The Undertaker. Oh, yeah. Patrick McNee, very young Patrick McNee. Yeah. Before he did uh, the... Um, yeah, about oh. 10 years before the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, and that's always a good one. So I watched uh, Muppet Christmas Carol. I don't think I'd seen that one before. No? From 1991. Yeah, i seen, seen that no. one. Yeah, I think they read. They have another one. Who takes on the Scrooge role? Um, it's Michael Caine. Oh, okay. So they use a live person for Scrooge. Right. No, he's a puppet too. <laughs> they just have a Michael Caine puppet. Um, yeah, he, he, I, I don't think he's a good Scrooge. He just seems too. He's he's like pretty mean when they're in the uh, his business, but once he's outside the shop, he just seems like a sentimental old fella. Oh, oh, that's he, weird. He seems too nice from the get go, which it doesn't work. Um, so it's kind of shining in reverse. <laughs> He's just too nice. Um, yeah, it's a bit, a bit too cheeky for me. I don't, I'm not too keen on this one. I, I expect if you grow up with it, then you love it. But yeah, I imagine. Sure. Yeah. Um, and I didn't, so I can't really I say. In, it's impressively done physically. Yeah, it came out right after. Yeah, I, I would have been interested in Muppets. Right. And now I'm just like, I don't want to see anything yeah. with Muppets. I think that's that's what they're talking about when they're you know that the the new BBC FX one that's so grim because they wanted to return it to being mm. grim and scary after a long period of uh, adaptations not being yeah not going dark enough right. Uh, we also watched the uh, the Planet of the Apes trilogy. Oh, okay. Well, that's great. Fantastic. Which, the, the newer ones? Or yeah. The, yeah. Okay. Rise of, Dawn of, War of. I haven't seen War of. That's yeah. the one I've not seen. Oh, they're so good. It's all yeah. good. Yeah. Um, yeah, Andy Serkis. Amazing. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah. Oh, yeah, you, you wait, wait up to the end of the third one. They've got a... They go on the beach, and there's a huge statue of Marky Mark. 
It's quite shocking. <laughs> wow. Um, and we watched, Spoilers. <laughs> uh, Charlie Brown Christmas, of course. Uh, watched uh, a couple of Daleks movies. Um, watched Encounters with, with the Unknown, which is a 1973 film uh, narrated by Rod Serling for the most part. Hmm. Really? Have you heard of this? No, it, no. It's it's. I don't recommend it. It's. I think it's shot all shot in Arkansas. Um, it's ridiculously padded. <laughs> ridiculously, there's this like which does this curse in it. You see her do this the same scene uh, seven times. Oh my god, that's weird. Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, that's, that's not a hard recommendation there. Uh, Transylvania 65000, also not a recommendation from yeah. 1985. Do you see this one? I've never seen this one. No. This was one that was always, I don't know. Deliberately left the, in your blind spot? Yeah I, yeah, I remember the box. I remember when it came out. Yeah. But uh, Jeff, Jeff Goldblum, Ed Begley Jr. Mm. It's the reporters who go to uh, Transylvania. Was this a Mel Brooks? No. No, good. No. good. Not even close. No. Good. It tries to be okay. young Frankenstein. You've got Sal Brooks, his younger brother, is <laughs> not as talented. Uh, Michael Richards doing his slapstick uh, shtick as, a, as the butler. But uh, he's, no, he's not Marty Feldman. No. Um, uh, highlight is probably uh, Gina Davis as a vampire. Okay. Well, sure. Yeah. Um, I've seen the pictures. Yeah. Uh, watched uh, the Deadly Mantis on Blu-ray. Nice. Track off my birthday. It's always a good one. And uh, uh, New Year's Eve, we watched uh, the Poseidon Adventure because it oh. takes place in New Year's. New Year's. Have you, have you seen that because one? you felt the, the not you know, in years. Your living room had tipped upside down. Yeah, after all the eggnog. Yeah. <laughs> oh, we had too much one night. Oh dear. <laughs> yeah, we were we were not operating heavy machinery after that. Good. Um, yeah, Poseidon Adventure. That was, that's yeah, that's one. a good one. We, I like we, that one. We've been one. working our way through 70s disaster movies. Oh, excellent. Um, I think this one is, is more ropey bits than usual in this one. But, uh, you know, it, 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 it's just so interesting to look at because everything's upside down. Mm-hmm. And everyone's underlit all the time and you've got a good cast. And, yeah. Uh, you know, it's an interesting situation. Yeah, I like that one. Um, so it's fun. Uh, Leslie Nielsen goes far too early for my liking. But, <sighs> um, yeah, that's always a good one. That's cool. Uh, I don't know if it's a disaster film, but Day of the Animals. <laughs> yeah, or put Day that of the in, Animal. In with eco horror. You mean Night yeah. of the Wild? No. <laughs> yeah, do, yeah I, was, I saw that one. That would be ago. equal. Equal. <clears throat> yeah. Eco horror. Yeah, Leslie we'll Nielsen just those. like goes off. Right. He's just he yells at people. He just <laughs> oh, that's great. Snaps. <laughs> yells at a kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's that's it. Oh, we oh. we did try to watch Witcher. Oh, the Witcher. Yeah. Oh, yeah, apparently that gets good after it. I don't recommend it. Okay. Um Yeah. What is it? 8 10 12 how many episodes? Uh one was too many. Okay. Well, apparently the first one's not so good, but it, then people would say if you stick with it. I don't know. It was so bad. Oh dear! It was like, I mean, it has better special effects, although they're not superb. They're they're good for TV, but everything else just seems like a sort of grim, 
toned down version of like Xena, the warrior princess. Uh. Like they and they take it very seriously, but the acting is just bad. And we watched some show called Last Kingdom on Netflix, and uh, uh, we were comparing the two. Not that they're really similar, but we're like the lead, at least in, in Last Kingdom, choose the scenery. You know he's really acting, and and he doesn't. I mean, he's serious about the role, but there's there's something entertaining about it. But watching these people just kind of walk around like stiff high school theater students, and then barely emote when they talk. Yeah, and they walk around, and it just seemed <laughs> it was it was surprisingly cheap. I don't know where they spent the money on it, but. Oh, I think there's some tax scam going on or something. <laughs> Don't sue me now. Good possibility. Um, one of my Christmas presents was this book called uh, Carnal Curses, Disfigured Dreams, Japanese Horror and Bizarre Cinema, 1898 to 1949. Um, so this is like, it's got some great pictures in it, like big, uh, high quality pictures from these movies. And that's what, that's all you'll be seeing of them because Almost all of these have been lost yeah. to earthquake or fire bombings. Oh, that's terrible. And, uh, yeah, so I've probably seen all the ones that exist, which aren't many. But, uh, yeah, it's really interesting. Yeah, it looks um, interesting. So many. I mean, there's a lot of ghost movies in there and weird mystery crime movies and fantasies and stuff. <sighs> uh, yeah, that was, that was great. That's really cool. People should be... Check that out. Yeah, people should be. Uh, I don't know, like that uh, Marx Brothers Dolly comic you brought in oh, one yeah. time. People should be doing that with these lost scripts, you right. know, using making them up. You know, yes. If you could find any sort of script fragments, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. All these are just a little synopsis, that, right? And, and they put in as much. I mean, most of the information is based on uh, contemporary reviews. Okay, um, that's good. And uh, um, I mean, it's got there's like a photo from one of the Japanese King Kong movies I hadn't seen before. Oh wow! Because they made a couple in the thirties. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, that's great. Did you know about them? No. You mentioned them earlier on the show. Yeah, they were the Holy Grail for years and years and yeah. years. Yeah. Because they're they're lost. You know, it's like London after midnight. And, um, yeah, yeah. But. Um, uh, they found out a bit more about them. Um, so people thought, oh, this is the first Japanese giant monster films, but they're not. Oh, really? Uh, they're, um, uh, one of them was designed as a support feature for the Japanese release of King Kong. Oh, okay. And it's, uh, it's basically a, a comedy. Mm. Um, and in both of them, it's, uh, someone's dressed, dresses up as a normal sized gorilla. Oh, okay. So in one of them, he's putting on a King Kong stage show. Uh, and another one, he's like trying to win over a girl. Um, as you do by... <laughs> yeah, dressing up as a King <laughs> Kong. Who, who hasn't done that? Uh, it worked for me in college. Nobling the guy that she fancies, you know. Um, but uh, yeah, it's it it really interesting. Cool. Yeah. There's something fascinating about lost films. Oh, yeah, I love them. I mean, I've posted a bunch of pictures on uh, my Facebook page. Um, but, yeah, I mean, when I was a kid, you know, couldn't, you know, we couldn't afford video recorders or anything. Yeah. And, uh, you know, pre-internet. So, uh, you know, I was, I was reading 
horror books and devouring all these pictures, oh, especially Those were the best. Japanese stuff. And uh, I couldn't imagine ever seeing them. Yeah, yeah. I just have to imagine them from the pictures. And now you can go on YouTube. Yeah, and you just see them instantly. It just kind of, kind of spoils the magic a bit. But it does. I'm sure I'm, it? sure I'm glad I can have them now. Yeah, but yeah, I, uh, I used to do the same thing, you know. Uh, I remember I used to check out the book, and it's not even a lost film, but the heavy metal movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, had, I could check out the book at the library that just was kind mm. of the making of. Oh, you must have been so disappointed. <sighs> I was when I finally got to see it, because that was a movie that nobody had a copy of. It, yeah. showed, it went around the country, kind of, midnight shows. but Yeah, when I was 16 and it was new or whatever, I was, you know, it was breathtaking. It was amazing, because you didn't see a feature-length animated thing that wasn't a silly cartoon mm -hmm. uh does not hold up no nope. it's bad but it did it did make a, a run on hbo or showtime and there were people who recorded it so that's why there were some recordings out there like it was very briefly yeah. on cable and they pulled it like after you know once or twice around on that so you're probably wondering what did i watch so oh uh, yeah yeah Oh, yeah. I guess. For, for Christmas, I guess. for Christmas, I somehow didn't get to watch the Charlie Brown Christmas, but oh. uh, that doesn't mean I won't watch it sometime in the near future. Just because it doesn't have to be Christmas. I watch it on Valentine's Day. Yeah, it's like even Charlie Brown would. Yeah, that fucking loser. Um, I watched uh, Elf, oh. which my favorite part of that movie is the whole part in Central Park, where um, John Favreau directs the these Central Park Rangers as like these dark writers, almost like these uh, writers of the apocalypse. So there's a lot of these close-ups of the hooves beating and the nostrils of the horses flaring and steam and all that stuff. And it's like, it's kind of cool. It's dark. Is, isn't he in like, National Lampoon's Christmas? He's like some muscle guy who uh, he puts a chokehold on. That's That seems like Chevy a thing. Because he was like bodybuilder guy for quite a while. Yeah. yeah. That, yeah, that would make sense. And he was he was in Friends. I think he was like uh, supposed to be an MMA guy or something like that. Or he goes into being an MMA guy and doesn't work out. Ends up like in a body cast or something. But uh, yeah, Favreau, is, uh, he's a fun director. Um, so Elf, you know, that's one of those that you could just watch around Christmas time and you've forgotten a few of the gags and... It's it's entertaining. Yeah, that whole bit you were talking about, I don't remember any of that. I've not seen oh, it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, it's kind of cool, actually, because Santa crash lands in Central Park because his sleigh has a rocket assist, but it, it, it and he, the reason he has that is because it used to run on Christmas spirit, but he gets over New York and it's so drained of Christmas spirit that he crash oh, lands. that's right. Excuse me. That's right. I remember that now. Yeah. I, I've never seen it. And Ed Asner plays Santa. It's kind of interesting. <laughs> and you wouldn't notice that necessarily, but if you read the credits, you're like, oh, yeah, Ed Asner. That's Are you cool. kidding? I'd spot Ed Asner from a mile away. <laughs> Would you, even with a Santa suit and a beard? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Scream, Lou! <laughs> yeah. Lou Grant. Yeah. Um, we, I think Ed Asner's still alive. Probably. Seems like something he, he would was do. in something recently, and he looks like an elf now. Yeah, he's like, <coughs> he's like, hell no, I'm never gonna die. Too mean for that. Uh, we also watched uh, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, the original mm. 1966 animated with Boris Karloff. Did they ever get to the bottom of that? 
Um, How he stole it exactly? Uh, it's a lot of speculation, I understand, yeah, but not yeah. a lot of proof. Yeah, yeah. They, there was no forensics back then. I mean, really. And half of the forensic sciences... Grinch was an inside job. <laughs> the who's did it themselves. You know, I think that I think that's our t-shirt for next year. Uh, the Christmas heist was an inside job. Um, and then... Uh, on my own time, I watched uh, a couple more episodes of season two of Hellier, which, as you may remember, I talked about this briefly. Uh, it's about these paranormal investigators who have been sort of drawn to this area. Uh, I want to say it was Kentucky. It was either Kentucky or Tennessee. Now I'm forget. I think it's Kentucky. Anyway, so they go to investigate these. Uh, Kentucky scarier. Yeah. Yeah. Right. More paranormal. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh, so. They're going to. Um, uh, investigate the, these. But Tennessee re- has the Bell Witch. Anyway, well, I'm yeah, sorry. No, it's cool. <laughs> I mean, you know, you you can't not mention the Bell Witch. Uh, so they go to investigate these goblin sightings. Uh, <gasps> Hopkinville. Uh, no, it was Hellier. It was the name of the town. No, no, but that's based on the uh, uh, story, a goblin UFO story. Oh, really? In Hopkinsville. I think it was Arkansas, actually. Oh, wow. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah, maybe the person who got them onto this might have read that and just decided to fool them. But then when they get there, they do actually run into some high strangeness. Ooh. And then they're looped back into it for the second season because of some other stuff, some other things that occur. Um, it's it's available for free. You can watch it. Uh, I think it was on Prime as well as their own YouTube channel. So that's really interesting. Um, and I did tear a page from Jolien's book and watch something excellent on New Year's Day. Now, any listener who isn't f- familiar with uh, Federico Fellini movies who? might, um, you know, Fellini. <laughs> Tell Not me. familiar. Yeah, okay. Yeah, you might look into him. <clears throat> so um, Fellini, uh, to say his work is strange is a big understatement. It's so weird. It's his own thing. Yeah, it's it, and it's so peculiar that I think anyone who just would run across one of his movies and not know what would what they were getting into really would wonder. Well, he goes through various stages, doesn't he? Is that, yeah. There's that kind of circusy. Yeah. The phantasmagorias he did in the sixties. Yeah. His early stuff, yeah, they're some of them pretty straightforward. Yeah, like the the stuff that was still, you know, everyone's wearing suits and, mm. you know, they're dressed up and they're doing their thing. Well, Eight and a Half is uh, 1963. Mm. And uh, basically it's about a director who's suffering from, I guess you could call it director's block because he's trying to make a sci-fi movie with this massive set uh, with this big prop spaceship that they're not done building yet. And it just seems like this movie is a collection of vignettes of, of, uh, of let's just face it, this is Fellini's own shit. Yeah, because <laughs> at this point, he'd, he, he, he'd made eight and a half movies by his reckoning. Right. <laughs> so, so he figures, you know what, I could just sort of do a self-indulgent, really crazy thing here. And it's a beautiful looking film. Mm-hmm. It really is. And, uh, and it seems like there's this collection of women from different periods in his life. And he has this whole sequence where... Where they're all making their plea to him that they get to stay in his, you know, in his current conscious, <laughs> instead of being relegated to the the upstairs, which mm-hmm. I guess would be like his subconscious or his, you know, forgettable women of his life. It's crazy and it's a lot of fun. Uh, Barbara Steele. Barbara Steele looks gorgeous in it. Um, 
I mean, honestly, every everybody in this movie is looking sharp, and, and it's it's beautiful. Uh, this was, um, of course, shot in black and white, although they did have color film available at the time. Mm-hmm. It, I think, would look better in black and white than color. Um, not a lot I could say about it, because it seems this is like one of those movies where when you're done watching it, you, it feels like you just had a fever dream. <laughs> You know, all I could say is if this sounds like your bag, watch it. You know, you might really have fun with well, it. Um, the 20th of January is his uh, centenary. No kidding. Um, and there's probably going to be a Criterion box set later this year. Oh, wow. Well, that's, that's uh, yeah, pretty I'm cool. Gonna be, I'm going to watch all the films of his I have. Oh, yeah. This year. <laughs> so that's a, that's a, uh, that's quite, quite the feat, isn't it? You didn't do that many. Yeah, but I mean to subject yourself to that. Oh, yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, then I guess you don't need any convincing. He's one of those, um, as you say, like um, uh, when I was a kid, uh, um, I saw, I started watching Eight and a Half, and I thought, oh, this guy's just full of himself. Ah. Which is really idiotic. Um, because yeah, he is. This is you know this movie is about me. Yeah, this is me. Here we are. You know, he's just being honest, and uh, yeah, and and so I, I just you know started watching. I think I Juliet the Spirits. I, I watched that one. I, I started watching that thing. Oh yeah, it's self indulgent, blah blah. blah. <clears throat> and then after a while, I, I realized I was watching one of the most beautiful movies I'd ever oh, seen. That's cool. <laughs> and I thought, wow, <laughs> this is a genius. <laughs> And and he uh, he won the Palm for La Dolce Vita, mm-hmm. and and that one is absolutely beautiful. Oh yeah, it's like defined an era. Yeah, yeah. That, that's one that uh, I think that'll be my next Criterion purchase. I think they have it, but uh, okay. so that um, uh, I might have it. Oh yeah, but I mean I got well, I've definitely got it, but I might have a spare. No, I've, okay. I was going to say I've got to own that one for sure. Um, that came out in 1960, so that actually predated um, Eight and a Half. Um, of course, uh, yeah, Fellini died in 93, so he's been gone a while. And uh, he, he only made it to 73 years old. Yeah. Yeah, it's a bummer. I mean, he probably had a little weirdness left in him. But like when, he, when he was a kid, he was, he, was, he was a comic book guy. Oh, of course. Um, like when the, uh, the fascists banned <clears throat> American comics, they some of the characters were really popular so they just continued them in their own oh, versions yeah. so he did like Flash Gordon and oh that's cool things like that they did that with a lot of things a lot of series <laughs> later like Spider-Man they decided to continue after Gwen Stacy died yeah, yeah. they were just like no no she didn't die so <laughs> we gotta make up our own stories now <laughs> that's good it's like folk art <laughs> it really is that's great oh Mussolini get out of here <clears throat> and anybody like him if you know what i'm saying so i also watched one that you you guys might really enjoy it's on netflix it's called sad hill unearthed and i'll, I'll just um oh this is the um leone one isn't it yeah it's a it's about uh it's about these guys uh who go and find the cemetery from the good the bad and the ugly uh they find the actual location and they realize that you know, a lot of the the fake uh, crosses and gravestones have been, uh, you know, either taken away or 
have fallen to pieces or whatever, and everything's under a lot of sod and and dirt from you know just erosion and you know soil piling up or so whatever. Is, is the whole documentary then running around in a circle with music going? <laughs> Should be <laughs> yakety sax. I think is playing the whole time. <laughs> That's not what I remember from the movie. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this this. Uh, this documentary basically just shows the reconstruction of the cemetery by a bunch of diehard fans. And uh, it's it's where the big showdown occurred mm-hmm. in the movie for any of the listeners who don't remember. But uh, it's really interesting. There's a commercial now that uses the Ecstasy of Gold theme. Oh, is there? Yeah, it's, this, it's some cover version of it. But yeah, oh. I'm hearing that a lot on TV. Well, that's cool. So, um, yeah, this is... Um, it's a Spanish movie. It's really funny. It starts out, I thought, I must have clicked on the wrong thing, because there's <clears throat> there's uh, an interview with James Hetfield from Metallica, mm-hmm. and they're showing like Metallica getting ready you know, to start a show. And I'm like, what did I... And I paused it, and I saw the name come up, and I'm like, okay, no, apparently. Because I do remember them doing a bunch of... Uh, of like nylon string guitar stuff that did sound like it was a Spanish uh, Western or something. <clears throat> there was some uh, period in their in their music where they did some stuff that sounded like it belonged in one of those movies. And apparently they did a whole Morricone like uh, intro uh, to start some of their shows. Okay. So that that's apparently the people who were restoring the graveyard uh, set got got a hold of him or he got a hold of them but Hetfield off, offered some support um, I don't want to spoil how it all wraps up but uh, let's just say there's a screening of the movie on the location hmm. and uh, they do they do get some greetings from some important people uh, some of them remotely and some of them in person so it's pretty cool Uh it's great. It's a normal length movie. I'm guessing it's 90 minutes ish. No, 86 minutes, uh, according to Wikipedia. The runtime uh, it came out a couple years ago, and it's it's good. It's so worth watching. Uh, and then Terror Train. So mm. if you guys want to, um, Jolien, tell us how you've discovered this and why you picked it. Well, it's not obscure. No, I honestly had never seen it, and it wasn't okay. on my wasn't on my radar. This was a, a mind eraser for me, like watching it. I'm pretty sure I'd seen this because I remember right. the, the Groucho guy. <laughs> and, uh, and you're like, wait, no, is that New Year's Evil? <laughs> and I seem to remember the uh, uh, David Copperfield bits, kind of. Oh, but it had been a long, long time. Yes, uh, I suggested this one because it's set on New Year's Eve. Yeah. And it's some kind of uh, uh, medical college party. Yeah. And they, they hire a train steam train yeah and uh uh but three years previously some of the uh, people who are now seniors played a prank on poor kenny yeah and it did not go well set him up with a uh, jamie lee curtis played the voice but they they lure him into a bed with a, a, a corpse. corpse yes and he freaks out hilarious yeah. and, ugh, he freaks out like such a little wimp i mean it's a corpse you're in medical school <laughs> get over yourself <laughs> no yeah. i'm kidding <laughs> But still, you know, you shouldn't be that freaked out by a corpse in medical school, right? A cadaver, sorry. Yeah, yeah they like to freak the, each other out with corpses. Yeah. They, they did the handshake of... gag in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah, I'm, I'm in real life as well. Like my, my brother went to medical school and they 
they drank a lot, but uh, I had another <laughs> friend I won't mention who uh, who went to medical school before him, and he came back with the most horrendous stories about what they used to do. Oh sure, Ooh. I could I could imagine. But now there's cameras everywhere. Yeah, I don't doubt they could do it now. Yeah. Total culture of snitching. No, you couldn't do it now. But, okay, so this one, I mean, I'm looking at the artwork, and I, th- I think oh, I probably saw this box on the video rental shelf and looked at it and went, nah, it's some piece of crap. I'm not going to rent that. Um, there was a lot of stuff like that back in the day. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was probably one of them, but it really was not on my radar at all. Had I known Jamie Lee Curtis was in it, I probably would have watched it just to see what else was she in. Because I saw Prom Night and whatever mm-hmm. else she was in. Um, but this one, uh, it was way more entertaining than I would have guessed. You know, when I started it, I didn't really know anything about it. I'm like, what's Terror Train? And it started, I went, oh, it's 80s. Okay. Uh, what, it come out in 80 or? Yeah. I think it's made in 79. 79. Yeah. Came out in 80. Yeah. yeah. October of 80. A little over the Barnes limit, 97 minutes. I turned it off at 90. <laughs> yeah, I bet you did. You missed the big reveal. I, I don't know how I don't know what happened. <clears throat> Who killed Kenny? Who yeah. killed Kenny? Yeah. A bunch of bastards. He didn't stick that landing, did he? His <laughs> no. foot came off if you watch. Yeah, was it was his foot or his boot? I think it was just his boot, but okay. I said, "Look, his foot broke off when it happened." <laughs> right. Yeah. Now, now when this movie started and they were having their their big party outside, which was strange because, you know, you might want to be somewhere warm, but they were partying. They were drunk. They were drunk. They don't care. Um, when uh, they had the whole move through the house to get to the, the setup in, for Kenny in the bedroom, mm-hmm. those Christmas lights were almost seizure-inducing. Oh, my God, yes. <clears throat> <laughs> it's like, I'm like, is there something wrong with this copy of the movie? No. Oh, those are supposed to be Christmas lights flashing. There's an episode in <clears throat> Watchmen where the, they... W- warn you at the beginning that there's going to be a lot of strobing effects yeah and then we watched this and there was something else we watched it was like what is with movies now are they trying to give me epilepsy <laughs> yeah well, we watched the uh we watched the fireworks displays from around the world and before the london one they put on a warning saying may contain flashing lights oh man well yeah. that's good yeah at least they're warning people yeah uh i saw the blue man group years ago and they said that strobe lights were used. There's a big sign that says strobe lights are used in the performance. And, and uh, there weren't. There I were. Felt so, I Ooh. felt ripped off. <clears throat> I came for some good strobe effects. <laughs> the finale was amazing. I wanted to see like I was moving all herky-jerky. <laughs> yeah, like a Marilyn Manson video. So this one, um, when uh, the credits are opening and I see David Copperfield, hmm. I'm thinking... Really? Why? How? What? What? What could be the possible? Uh, you know, because I'm I'm picturing Copperfield further along in his career when his name pops up, and I don't realize that oh, this is a, this is a big gig for him at the time, being in a slasher movie. Yeah, he was in about twenty four or five. Yeah, he's, well, here's something, and I don't know if he you, looked twelve. He <laughs> he looked like Topher Grace. <laughs> from that 70s show yeah i know who Topher grace is <laughs> i thought he looked just like Topher grace with darker hair oh, oh maybe man. yeah i and mean a, and a frilly shirt of course frilly yeah. shirt. now he perfected the over tanned intense stare look later and i have a funny story about that if you care to hear it <clears throat> first i'm gonna i'm gonna you know how, how magicians never reveal their secrets 
Well, mm -hmm. I'm no magician, so I'm going to reveal one of his secrets. <laughs> a friend of mine um, used to work for him. Really? Yeah. Uh, and she's this lovely Is woman. as creepy as he appears on film? She said that he was uh, super nice and uh, took really good care of his employees. Nice. But uh, Are her legs still attached to her body? Well, that's the cool part about this. <laughs> the reason her legs are still attached is because she has an identical twin sister. So when that woman vanishes from over here and then poof, she's over there, that's why. Oh. They just hire sets of twins. There's, they don't have to rush down the secret passage that fast because their twin sister is over behind that thing already. Hell, they don't even have to be twins. They could just be... They'd weird. just be dressed the same. Right. In a theater, I mean. And, and look vaguely similar. <laughs> I'm sorry if I ruined the trick for anyone. Yeah, I'm not. I mean, if, you, if you're fooled by those kind of illusions, then you're an idiot and you deserve what you get. <laughs> so, did that, was that too harsh? But how about uh, the, that thing he does with the coin? Yeah. With the, he puts the cigarette through the coin. It's a, yeah. it's a spring-loaded round. It's got a little, yeah, yeah it's, it's got a little door on it. Yeah. And if you watch the film again, you can even see just right before he pulls the cigarette away from it, the uh, center of the quarter kind of reflects a bit of light just oh. for a second. Okay. And I noticed, I only noticed it because I know how that trick works. Yeah. Because uh, when I was, I don't know... 10 or 11 i went to the library and checked out books on magic yeah and ruined all future magic shows for myself <laughs> yeah i did that too yeah but i have seen a couple good magicians when you when you call out something that how the trick really was done they'd have some backup yeah to do it <clears throat> another way right and then they go well how do you explain that smart guy and right. shuts you right up and you shouldn't heckle a magician. Just go with it. Yeah, I love They're watching them. They're sad. Yeah. It's a magician. I mean, yeah. he's got nothing going on in his life. <laughs> <laughs> he's never been with a woman. <laughs> now, speaking of women, we'll, we'll get to that later about, about his lovely assistant. Mm -hmm. Because uh, I, I had opinions about this early on. Um, so... Uh, the murder, the murder mystery train. Okay, everybody's getting on board the train. Uh, they're all wearing bits and pieces of costumes and props and stuff. And uh, the guy with the with the cornball uh, Groucho mask, uh, thankfully, gets stabbed. Yes, before he gets on the train, stabbed and crunched. Yeah, yeah, that's right, because he is on the track. You don't uh -huh. see him. Nicely done, where they, they set it up so that the pith helmet. Yeah. Yes, I love is that. In front of the wheel, and then the helmet pops yeah. before, you, before it gets to the body. Yeah. yeah. So that was kind of great. Mm -hmm. But uh, right away, you get you get uh, uh, the exposition conductor, who who lets you know everything yep. you need to know about who this party is and what the train is is all about. Yeah, so you, so lucky us, we got him, and he's he a nice setup. Well, sure, I, I like him. Yeah, ben, and I like ben the Johnson. character. Yeah, yeah, they like could, Ben Johnson. They could have edited a couple lines out of his dialogue. We're not dumb. We we, we could pick up all the stuff he told us, but uh, he did a nice job. Otherwise, uh, he worked with what he was given. Did you guys recognize Vanity? Yeah, yeah. She's the, she's the genie. She was the lady in the wheelchair, right? <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh. Uh, but was yeah. she Jamie Lee Curtis? This uh, Jamie Lee Curtis looked great, didn't you think? Yes, I liked her better than how she looked in Halloween. Um, well, she's not playing a virginal 
character. In right. Yeah. She's able to be a normal kid in this mm. one. Uh, this was vanity before she purified herself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. Yes. Actually, that wasn't Lake Minnetonka. <laughs> Have you seen Purple Rain? Uh, yeah. A zillion years ago. Yeah. That's, uh, that's a great setup where Prince tells, tells her, yeah, something, but first you have to purify yourself in the waters of Lake Minnetonka. She strips down, jumps in the lake, and he kind of does that last second. No, wait, no. <laughs> like, and she jumps in, and then he tells her it's not Lake Minnetonka. Oh. oh. So that, that's his, his cute little gag that he does to her in the movie. So I think he just wanted her to strip down and jump in a lake. That's... Yeah. That's a straight prince move right there. <laughs> uh, it's a, a first date thing that he would do a lot. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So she's in this. She got really crazy religious after her time with Prince, which I found really sad. Because you'd think, oh, your life of debauchery and, and excess is laid out for you. You got to hang with Prince. You could do anything now. How debauched was Prince? I mean, he was a Jehovah's Witness. Well, that's the that's the problem. Is he is he is he got into that cult after all his cool stuff? Oh, okay. That was pretty later on. But how badass would that be? You know, it's like, yeah. Oh God, it's the Jehovah. Wait, the Prince? Prince? Come on in. <laughs> Come on, tell me whatever you got to tell me about this shit. Uh, I'll take a watchtower. Yeah, sure. You gonna sign it for me? Yeah. Let's take a selfie. <laughs> That would have been badass. Anyway, um, so, uh, yeah, the setup was cool. You guys like, did you guys like the whole filming within the train? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it felt claustrophobic. Yeah. Like you, it felt smaller than the train appeared. Right. You know, because I think they only had two cars. Oh. The kids were supposed to be in, like, in between or something. Okay. But then I guess there were more cars in the train that weren't used because they go at the end to a train car and he says something like this one hasn't been open in a while it's mm-hmm. clean but dusty or something uh mm. so it's like why didn't you just drop that car off before you took off you know who knows yeah this is like roger spicewood's first directorial work oh okay so he'd, he'd been an editor and he went on to like big movies after this yeah so this one's got some really nice shots in it yeah i, like, I love the the uh the credits bit where it's dark and then this hatch comes up and there's the silhouetted train with all the steam going around mm-hmm. it. yeah great. he uh, had some great shot. shots of the yeah. train yeah and the photography is generally really good yeah but then it's first time director so sometimes you're like oh should be more coverage here because i lost the geography of it mm, yeah which kind of spoiled the mystery a bit for me um yeah I, I, where everyone was and what the relation was like, uh, she kept ending up by herself at the end of the movie when people say, oh, come back with us, come back with us. And then she, next scene, she'd be by herself yeah. in the dark somewhere. You're like, wait, <laughs> wait, where did the president where, where go? They all go? <laughs> <laughs> so this, you know, I meant, I'm going to jump back to this. Can I bring up the one character's costume that was just a pair of pants? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> what was that? Yeah, I thought she was, is she playing the bottom half of her suit? I couldn't figure it out. We were trying. We were like, but she had a hand coming out of the pants, like a fake hand on her boob. Kind of, yeah. Is that what it was? Yeah. yeah. It was a prop hand. She was like, wearing like a, these like baggy pants and spats and then braces. And then she had this collar on. 
Yeah. But she had like some hand things? Yeah, she had like a rubber hand sticking out of the pants. <laughs> yeah. Uh across her her left breast. Huh. At least in in the beginning of the movie and it was yeah. like what is she? What's she supposed to be? <laughs> I could not figure it out. It was an odd costume. Yeah. You know, there speaking of costume parties and this sort of thing, there is nothing worse than like a couple's costume where the guy clearly has to go along with his new girlfriend or his pushy girlfriend's idea. There's nothing worse than a guy dressed up as fucking Raggedy Andy. And his girlfriend's dressed as Raggedy Ann. Oh, oh she's dressed as something cool. Or that. That's even you know, that's, and, Yeah, that's even worse. And he dressed up as Raggedy Andy. <laughs> it's just terrible. <clears throat> so, uh, yeah, uh, this, other, th- other than one guy who says sorry... I did not pick up on this being a Canadian film. Did you, Will? No, no. Isn't except the sorry. Yeah, there was one sorry. And that could have been a Canadian actor. But the director was Canadian. And uh, and the production was, apparently, as well. Damn it. So, hey, what are you going to do, man? Yeah. It was cheaper to make it there, I imagine. Now, you, you complained about the... I mean, you didn't really complain, but the exposition dump from the conductor yeah. at the beginning. Uh, I felt that, <clears throat> although that didn't bother me, the little setup with Kenny at the beginning of the movie before the credits. Yeah. I wish they could have conveyed that information throughout the movie. Yeah. So it didn't come at you right away. So you weren't maybe you, I mean, you're thinking like how he's involved somehow. Oh yeah. You can't figure it out, but that was the only part of the movie I felt. It's kind of a, well, the first person gets killed in this movie, and you know that it's going to be... Like, if you started this movie and didn't know it was a slasher movie, say, yeah. say you just came home on a Sunday afternoon and turned on the television, and there it was. And you missed the opening. Well, yeah. Well, even if you saw the opening, it's like, oh, something terrible happened to this kid. Oh, now there's another party uh, three years later or whatever. The first time someone gets killed, immediately your mind goes to, oh, the kid they pranked is the killer. Yeah. Is it possible anyone else could be the killer? No. David Copperfield. That would have made a lot more sense. I mean, it would have been more fun. Uh, the first time you see his loveliest, I'm making air quotes, lovely assistant go, ta-da! And you see the face where you're like, dude, your lovely assistant isn't very lovely. I thought that was David Copperfield in drag. Did you? Like yeah, they, like, they just, like, wow. They, they just superimposed that switch him. there. That's, uh, that's how they're doing the trick. Oh, okay. You thought... Like he's, no, why not? Seriously, switch, but switch places with himself. The <laughs> lovely assistant did stand out. Yeah, I, I thought she looked kind of mannish. I mean, that's what I thought when I saw her, and it turned out. Well, we did give a spoiler warning, mm-hmm. and uh, did I mention that we're not professional critics? Yes, I did. Good. Did I mention I, that I turned it off ninety minutes? No. <laughs> <laughs> So when you did your exposition dump at the start, yes, yeah, yes, that's conductor. That's what we should do. That um, Ben tr- Johnson, who is he now? This is the first time um, <laughs> Emily had seen it, and she guessed who it was. Oh, first, first she was led to thinking it was David Copperfield. Yeah, and then she thought, oh no. But, um, I I don't remember getting it first time I saw it, but this time around, there's like. Um, you see the assistant with David Copperfield. Yeah. And then you see the Groucho when, when the killer's disguised as Groucho. 
and they switch back and forth and they're at opposite ends of the train. No. Oh, That, that didn't yeah. work for me. Um, they'd have to, he'd have to like swap costumes and get down the other end of the train, knock somebody off, change back, change back again. Then that's some straight Scooby Doo move right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Running along the top of the train or what? How did you like that oh, one guy's maybe. costume? Kind of looked like the Gorn. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I took a screenshot of that. I was like, oh, this is just glorious. Yeah, was- we couldn't decide what. And Gene said it didn't matter and didn't want to discuss it, but. I felt like his mask changed when he first put it on. And then when he enters the bathroom, I felt like they were a little bit different. But it may have just been a strange angle because they had to film from kind of above once they got into the bathroom. Yeah, that's true. I mean, it's tight quarters either way. And she was like, don't back it up and look at it again. I don't care. I realized I forgot the best part of my friend's, uh, the story about my friend who worked for Copperfield. Um she, this was many years ago, but she uh, was getting married, had a wedding, invited David, and he showed up. Wow. Which is, you'd expect, because they, they worked very closely together for years uh, on stage. And uh, I never saw this, and, I, and, and I've, next time I'm able to, I will ask her if she still has her, she's not married to the man anymore, but uh, her wedding album apparently every picture of Copperfield, he strikes that same uh, blue steel looking face that he does. Like that, I'm making a Zoolander reference, but he does that zoo, that, that Zoolander blue steel, like intense stare. And he's really overly tan. And she said, like, literally you go through her photo album and it looks like, Oh, what are you a big Copperfield fan? You photoshopped him into every picture. <laughs> he just stands out. He looks like his face is pasted on and it doesn't change from one picture to the next. Like, Different people have different expressions in every other picture, but Copperfield's just like intense stare, intense stare. So um, that that's something. If if I can, if she still has her, her wedding album in her possession at all, uh, I will ask her if I could just see one of the pictures where he's really. Hmm. What is David Copperfield up to now? That's a good question. Let's look. No, uh, let's don't. I'd rather imagine. I'm going to guess he does a residency in Vegas. Uh, probably a good, good answer. Yeah, that's my best guess. I mean, if Manilow can do it. I was thinking he was managing a Cinnabon slash Arby's somewhere. That would be, <laughs> be even better because he could do a lot of like close quarters magic and make your order appear in front of you. Oh, man. Wouldn't that be great? I yelled out at some point, I'm stuck on a fucking train and I got to watch magic (laughs) (laughs) while watching this. I imagine he's a spy and he teamed up with the ghost of Bill Bixby and they tore the world solving crimes. That's a good answer. I like that idea. Um, The ghost of Bill Bixby. uh, The... The swanky band that's playing. Oh, the crime. Crime, yeah. <laughs> when, when they when they emergency break the train and they all their instruments all start piling. Yeah. Up. I thought the sword was going to go through someone. Oh, that would have been glorious. <laughs> kind of waiting for that. Somebody's going to get stabbed. Oh, yeah. You would have that band and David Copperfield. Man, there's the the keyboardist singer. He's named Larry Cohen. Oh, really? <laughs> it's not the Larry Cohen. But. No, but that's funny. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, what is up with that? Or, yeah, what's up with the band? I, w- I wonder if, like, if we scroll down the uh, Wikipedia page, if it'll actually have some clickable thing about them. I like the scene where uh, uh, Jamie Lee Curtis is chatting to someone and the, the, doing this whole dialogue scene and the singer's right there. Yes, yes. <laughs> I could not. I love that scene. That was great because his head is just like, do-do-do in the corner. He's watching them. Yeah, he's, like, <laughs> he's I'm not trying to, trying to sing here. Yeah, oh, that's great. Yeah, he's obviously like just miming it while they do the dialogue scene. Yeah, I don't see anything uh, on the. Uh, <laughs> yeah, anything on their page here about uh, about the band, but uh, sadly, so crime broke up <clears throat> shortly after the release of Terror Train. It says that to create the train for the film, the producers leased an actual Canadian Pacific Railway locomotive from Steamtown Foundation in Bellows Falls, Vermont. Uh, The train's engine was renumbered from its original 1293 to 1881, and along with five passenger cars, painted black with silver stripes. Afterward, they reverted it back to its original number and had it restarted to its historic color and lettering scheme. Blah, blah, blah. Why the number 18? I don't know. I don't know. What happened in 1881? Um, I don't know. Uh, It says they crafted the interiors of the train to have an Art Deco style. I did notice that, especially in the bar. Um, No, it doesn't say much more about that. Um, Critical response. Uh, (laughs) uh, Ebert gave it one out of four stars. Uh, writing, the classic horror films of the 1930s appeal to the intelligence of its audience, audiences, to their sense of humor and irony. Movies like Terror Train and all its sordid pre- uh, predecessors and its ripoffs still to come just don't care. There's a series of sensations strung together on a plot. Any plot will do. Just don't forget the knife and the girl and the blood. However, he conceded that it's not a rock-bottom budget schlock exploitation flick. <laughs> so... Uh, Fair points, I guess. But were you entertained, guys? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I was. Yeah, I've watched this three times, I think. Yeah. I would watch it again. Yeah. I'd probably pick up on a lot more things where, hey, that person's in the background when we just saw them in another mm-hmm. corner. Yeah. There's probably a lot of continuity stuff. It's just too weird of a set for it not to. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, like if you're... If you don't completely leave the set, you're in the shot, it seems. And if they're stringing together some stuff, then you could end up a continuity error. So, um, I like Jamie Lee Curtis is fairly resourceful in her movies, you know? Yeah. She, she stuck a guy with one of those uh, receipt spikes. Yeah. You know? I just made one of those at work. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What are those called? What is the proper name for that? Uh, I don't know. Because receipt spike? At, at restaurants, we always just called it a spike or... Uh, yeah, I was just thought it was a male spike. Yeah. Yeah, yeah male had, spike, maybe. Yeah, we had uh, some uh, packing slips and invoices end up in two and three different places. And finally, I said, that's never happening again. Where's where is a nail and a board? <laughs> <laughs> so I made one. Now, when we're done checking stuff in, spike it. But yeah, in, in a pinch. Satisfying. Yeah, it is. And yeah. it, it can. You know it's done. It contains it, and it's in, in order of when you spiked it. Unless you have to go back and dig one up. Yeah. Then you could lose place. Dig it out of someone's head. Yeah. You know, I would totally stab somebody with that if I had to. 
<laughs> I mean, it's, it's across the room from me, but, you know. But only if I had to. I wouldn't do it recreationally. No. But if, no. you know, if a bad guy got in the shop somehow. Look out, a bad guy. You know, then the little dogs would have their ankles, and then I would go get the spike <laughs> and spike them in the temple. Is the temple soft enough to spike them? Yeah. Or you want to go through the eye socket? You probably want to go through the eye. Yeah, that's probably best, right? Yeah. Ear, eye. Or up the nose. Uh, yep. Yep. <laughs> Straight up the schnoz. <laughs> Stab him in the brain. If you did him up the nose, and he wouldn't be able to see either, so. Yeah. yeah. Well, it depends on the size of the board, right? Yeah. Yeah, if you're... If you're you had to have a bunch of receipts in his face. Yeah, yeah. If it's full of receipts, totally. It's going to be all like flailing and paper flapping everywhere, blood gushing. Mm, you could really kill Kenny. Yeah. It's, it's very distracting, too. Um... To rewind back to the original scene where Kenny gets pranked, when he strips himself down, did you guys notice his underwear were like really just bright yellow? <laughs> yeah. Because uh, was... I, made, I made a note here, tidy yellowies? <laughs> tidy yellowies. Uh, what? Uh, was, was he under some sort of uh, hazing ritual that he had to wear yellow underpants? Ooh, maybe. Or was that maybe the fashion at the time? Hmm. Good question. I mean, you'd know it was deliberate if they were like leopard spotted or black mesh or something, but they were yellow, like bright yellow. Mm. I'm spending more time on this than I should, but I really wondered. Maybe he dyed his underwear yellow so he'd be able to spot them with all the other frat boys. Oh, yeah. Laundry. Yeah. And he didn't want the embarrassment of his mom writing his name in them or something? Uh, maybe there were two Kennys. Oh, that's totally possible. Yeah, I could see that being a thing. I made a joke about, uh, uh, why were they celebrating in like, you know, March or something for, uh, you know, on the train for graduation. It seemed like, why would it be snowing if it was graduation and, and blah, blah, blah. And, uh. Eugenia goes, you're putting too much thought into it. They didn't care. But later, they, they mentioned that they're on early graduation. Hmm. So they did care. It is supposed to be New Year's, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I'm not really sure. Really make it clear. Because it is New Year's at the first bit. Yeah, I when read Ken a synopsis that said it was New Year's. Yeah, the first bit when Kenny gets pranked. It, right. is it does say New Year's because they bring a sign out with the, the Sigma, whatever, Omega, mm -hmm sign the greek letters and uh but then it just jumps ahead it says three la years later and i assume it would it must be new years okay. it must be exactly three years later and somebody's graduating then i don't know huh. but again yeah yeah it, it, did, it did strike emily as weird as well that they were yeah because it's like, ooh, man, it's snowing winter. and it's winter and they're graduating the last <clears throat> big party yeah but i guess they were graduating maybe that i don't know when when they graduated in they canada. graduated early in canada so that would be a fall graduation i don't know mm -hmm. um these are the questions this movie so the big finale did the big finale work for you guys where he gets knocked out the door with a big coal shovel yeah 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 of course big shovel <laughs> in the caboose yeah right Right out of the train, down the bank, into mm -hmm. the, into the into the river, into the frozen, horrible, lost a foot, yep, or a shoe. We're not sure which. Yeah, I thought you know, 
It doesn't matter if the guy lives through that or not. He's not getting back on the train. <laughs> no. He's probably dying of hypothermia if, mm-hmm. if the fall didn't kill him. If the coal shovel didn't kill him and the fall didn't kill him, hypothermia is going to get he's him. He's just going to wait till the train has to come back going the other way. And he builds a fire and he's trying to like not get hypothermia and then a bear eats him. I wondered how he was able to stay on the train when he clearly fell straight backwards uh, earlier off the train when he was clutching Jamie Lee Curtis's blouse. Oh, yeah. And then he somehow hung on. I guess. But again, I didn't really care because it's a movie and I'm Trains able have all to suspend of... disbelief. Sure. For this thing, why not? Yeah, for any of them, I don't care. They've got like, uh, so you've got a practical joker and you've got, uh, well, you've got couple of practical jokers yeah and you've got a magician yeah um yeah so it it tries to play with that you know you're not sure what's being set up yeah to deceive people or not right yeah (laughs) i was waiting for the conductor and uh david copperfield to have to do some sort of close magic card trick off you know and uh (laughs) like trick off (laughs) you know uh I'm sorry, an illusion off. Yeah, right. Tricks are what whores do for candy. <laughs> uh, it's what dogs do for treats. But anyway, you know, Ben Johnson would do like one trick, one card trick, mm-hmm. and then David Copperfield would do like 15 yeah. different close-up magic card tricks. So what was the least, or no, let's ask it this way. What was the most unbearable part of this for you, Will? The magic? The magic. Yeah, the magic. Okay. So the magic was the most unbearable. Is there a time in magic, like, even if you can, if you could consider Houdini a magician, although he was an escape artist, is that era kind of cool, like the posters from then? And mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's That stuff's all cool. That, that's, yeah, that's all yeah. That's good with that's you? That's all good. You know, I don't really hate magicians. Just this, but, this uh, kind. You know... <laughs> They're all really corny is the only thing. It's just, yeah. It seems like, you know, they all have the same eight tricks or so. And yeah. You know, once you figure them out or read the solution, you know. But magic isn't supposed to be something you're going to solve. No. It's, it's just it's an illusion. You're supposed to be entertained by it. Yeah, exactly. Not not challenged you know. to stand up and blurt out how it's done, you know. And uh, and and I give David Copperfield crap because he was all over the TV in the eighties, yeah, making Statue of Liberty disappear, and... which is such bullshit, <laughs> such bullshit. Yeah, because it's a magic trick. <laughs> yeah, it, well, it's, it's a camera. So, you know, I have that same problem, you know, like oh, it's such bullshit. But yeah, it's it's supposed to be. It's it's a camera angle on a TV show. It's so stupid. Like, why did they even bother with that? It's like, oh, Statue of Liberty disappeared. Oh, you mean they moved the camera? It's so idiotic. Like that kind of stuff. It's like, no, you could do something other than that. Uh, but uh, yeah. I always thought Penn and Teller's tricks were pretty good. Oh, they're great. Despite the personality of. Penn Gillette. <laughs> yeah, he's a bit much, isn't he? He's a bit much, and he, yeah. his libertarianism is also a bit much. shaky. Yeah. Libertarians in general, I find kind of shaky. Yeah. Yeah, I always wondered, do, do, they be, do they become 
so far left that they become right wingy or do they go so far right that they become left wingy? It's weird. It's like it's somewhere on this weird loop around, you know, basically boils down to I'm selfish and I don't want anyone to tell me what to do ever. Yeah. (laughs) I don't know where that falls on the political spectrum. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I haven't figured it out. Anyway, um, so the so the, what was your favorite part of it? If that was the most unbearable part, uh, I kind of liked when uh, Ben Johnson went and took the other conductor back to the bathroom, and you knew it was going to be all cleaned up. And yeah, but I didn't realize. I thought it'd just be all cleaned up. I didn't think the guy would still be there in the costume. Yeah, you know, yeah, that was a good a good little switcheroo. I also liked when he pointed out oh, he could be in any costume. Uh-huh. He yeah. could. And that's the big... Because I don't know why that hadn't occurred to me, but yeah. That's the big any... lesson here, mm, isn't it? Yeah. Which made it creepy. Yeah. So like, ooh, I don't know. Right. Julian... Be the lead singer of crime. <laughs> <laughs> that, yeah. The worst case scenario, that, that could be your fate. Uh, what was your... Uh, what was the most unbearable thing about this uh, for you? The comedian. And so you're kind of happy that he gets nailed first. Yes. 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 Uh, if he'd been throughout the movie doing like comedy uh, relief, that would have been unbearable. Yeah. Uh, completely. Yeah. I was like, ooh, I hope he dies quick. And they did deliver on that. Yeah. The five or six minutes of screen time he gets is just the worst. Yeah. Um, uh, I wish they they had better coverage, as I mentioned. And I wish that Jamie Lee Curtis had nailed Kenny instead of Ben Johnson. Yeah, that's true. As is the final girl's right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But on, on this is early days of slashes. So. They're still figuring it out. Yeah, it wasn't set in stone. Right. Um, uh, yeah, so those, those are the dislikes. Yeah, so what, what were your favorite things about this? Uh, it, it's a good-looking film. It's yeah. Yeah. You know, it's obviously talented people working on it who are feeling their way and, you know, using a slasher to, uh, you know, do their first movie. And it did, yeah. it did feel like they paid proper homage to uh, mystery on train type movies. Yeah, they've obviously, you know, studied the greats. And, yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, they, they definitely picked, above average. They picked up enough from those great movies to make this uh, otherwise could have been a subpar movie um, actually pretty good for what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say it's a, a great movie or anything, but it's, it's, a, it's entertaining start yeah. to finish. Yeah. And, uh, that's what I want in a horror movie. I want to be entertained. Yeah. Well, I mean, you're talking about slasher movies. How many slash movies are actually good movies? <laughs> right. Not many. And I enjoy them, but so see, there's Jason X. They can get really, <laughs> really wretched and boring. Yeah. And this one is not as, is, is good looking and, and fun. Yeah. Yeah, I would I would love to see this redone, like just to see how they could screw it up. Uh, yeah, if they redid this, they probably have to show you more. Yeah. Of uh, killings and how and the uh, it have to be more plausible about how the killer was getting around. Yeah, they'd also have an epilogue after <laughs> the uh, Ben Johnson knocks him off the train. You'd have the the train pulling into the station and all the people there to meet him and give him blankets. And then you'd have this whole leading Jamie Lee Curtis to the cop car. And it would just go on and on and on and on. And then something, there'd be some little twist like the killer turns around. The cop was, he was the cop. 
Yeah. And you go, what the, what is this bullshit? Why'd they remake yeah. this perfectly fine movie? Right. <laughs> they probably wouldn't let him get away with uh, just falling out of a train. No. They'd have to go under the wheels and get yeah, yeah. sliced up. Yeah. Or yes. into the, into the furnace he goes right yeah he going off the train something would snag and flip him under the mm-hmm. wheels of the train or something yeah like he'd be caught one of those male oh yeah yeah exactly and come back around and then get run over by the train people love trains don't they like have you ever traveled by train oh, anywhere? yeah 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 and europe is great oh yeah, yeah of course duh here not so much here, here, here it got crippled in the 50s yeah. by the uh, road industry yeah mm-hmm. it did yeah when we built the freeway system here it did screw it all up but i i traveled by amtrak a, i'm sorry a good handful of times and, oh, man. and i learned after the first time what i needed to do was you know bring booze and uh i'll tell you the story some other time about um Stowing away in plain sight. Oh, wow. Or should I just tell it now? Why not? <laughs> you <laughs> well, set it up. I guess I did. Uh, you disguise yourself as a magician. Yeah, it, it works every time. It works every time. Um, did you know magicians can ride any train free? Yeah. It's a little known law. It dates back to the 1800s. It's really weird. Um, no, it used to be that when you would get on, on an Amtrak, you would go to your seat, put your luggage above the seat, and... After the train's rolling along for a little bit, the conductor comes along, checks your ticket, punches it, and writes your destination on a little scrap of colored paper and tucks it in the little railing above your seat. So they know to wake you up if you, you know, mm-hmm. reach, reach your destination and uh, you're snoozing. So if I were going, for example, during college, I would go over to Spokane, Washington, catch the train and go to Chicago. I discovered by watching this that all I had to do was walk on my way to an empty open seat, snag one of those little pieces of paper with my destination on it and stick it above the seat and sit down. And um, if the conductor didn't see me get on the train, they didn't punch my ticket. So I get to where I'm going, do the same trick on the way back and get a refund on my ticket. Ah, okay. I was a criminal when I was in college. So the poor person you, you nick the tag from oh, you know what happens? might not have been woken up. No, no, no. What happens is they see a person sitting with no tag above their seat. Oh. They go, excuse me, could I see your ticket, please? Uh-huh. And they show them the ticket and it's been punched. Oh, okay, you're going to, uh, you know, uh, Minneapolis. And they write the abbreviation for that on a green square of paper and tuck it in the seat or whatever, you okay. know. And so their destination has been restored. Their ticket doesn't get punched additionally. It's still just punched once. And my ticket hasn't been punched. So as far as Amtrak knows, I never took the trip. I get a refund. Hmm. I was an evil genius. It is. <laughs> it's a flawless plan. I did it, I think, three times. <laughs> never got caught. Um, actually, the, <clears throat> the best part of it was that um, even if the bar car was closed, uh, the lounge car, rather. Uh, the lounge car uh, normally was just you could go sit in it. And there were always people playing cards and drinking. And I would bring my own booze. So just go play cards and drink with some strangers and uh, kill a little bit of time, get sleepy. Then you could actually sleep in a chair. Um, never paid for a sleeper car. Well, I guess I never paid for any seat. <laughs> but, yeah. Uh, now Amtrak's going to track <clears throat> you down. No, <clears throat> statute of limitations is way up on that one. Not on train crime. Oh, really? <laughs> Different laws? The only train crime I had <clears throat> was uh, when I was traveling with a couple of women in 
Europe and we took the train from uh, Switzerland down to Italy so it goes through the Alps and it Ooh, goes nice. overnight and uh, so we've got this like uh, uh, you know with bunks mm-hmm. and, uh, and then uh, another couple came in and uh, uh, they you know they weren't unfriendly but they they you know they didn't say much and they didn't yeah. really show their faces much and uh, and then during the night they uh, picked the pockets oh. and took the passports oh man of the women but i'd kept mine in my uh, secure bag down my pants yeah and uh, so i still had mine oh man but yeah when when we got to uh, venice they had to uh, you know to ring the embassy and oh man what a pain yeah, so you know, always get a good look of if you're sharing a yeah cab with uh, people overnight. No, my my takeaway from this was uh, keep your passport down your pants. Yep. Oh, definitely. Yeah, yeah. So there's that. Um, any other thoughts on the movie before we call the show? <laughs> Did Jamie Lee Curtis know that pirates don't typically ride on trains? You know, I think she had a more modern view of piracy, oh, piracy okay. and pirates. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> she's a one of the rare railway pirates. Yeah, of the late eighteen hundreds. You know, yeah. a lot of the they'd costume. pull up in a side train, <laughs> yeah. shoot cables over, <laughs> yeah. swing across, come pumping up behind on one of those little pump cars. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's my favorite part of old cartoons is how much speed you could pick Man, up on one of those. What I always they, wanted to work what, on one of those. What do they call those? Hand car. Hand car. That's what it is. Uh, what a horrible thing yeah. to have to operate, I imagine. Yeah, I wondered. I always wondered. That was, you know. Yeah. Was it easy to run one of those? I mean, you had to have a gear reduction thing going on, right? Yeah. The Buster Keaton's The General. Oh yeah, I don't think I've seen oh, that one. See that. That's really good. Oh man, that stunt when he throws a railroad tie and knocks the other one off the track while the train's going. He's standing on the front of the train on the cattle guard. Oh god. Yeah, and he's got like <laughs> one shot to pick this big beam up and throw it down and knock the other one, hit the end and knock it off the track oh, god. before the train hits it. Yeah, and there's that huge stunt at the end that they could only do once. Yeah, they did that for real. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, he did all his stunts yeah. for real. Yeah. And there wasn't much that guy couldn't do. Yeah. <laughs> that's amazing. I think that's the one where he grabs... Is that the one where he grabs the water uh, mm. spout on yeah. the train and it knocked him to the ground and he hit his head on the... Or he hit his neck on the rail. Oh, God. Broke his and, neck. and broke his neck, but didn't know about it till like 12 years later. <laughs> they, he went for and they were like why didn't you break his your neck and he had to think back he's like oh yeah well, it was that time i had headaches for a week afterwards <laughs> and some numbness from the neck down yeah like, he <laughs> broke move. his neck <laughs> oh my god uh sherlock jr just came into public domain uh, on the first so okay oh amazing that's 80 years right now yeah yeah, there's a bunch of his out on Blu-ray right now. Yeah. Oh, that'd be a good yeah. set to get. Yeah. Cool. They, I remember TMC ran the whole thing of Buster Keaton back in the 90s, and I had had to run home from class and switch out videotapes <laughs> and then run back to class. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. And I watched the hell out of those. Yeah. Anyway. So um, suggestion for next time, and, and we could... If you guys have any other ideas, this is great. But uh, Brian was watching something, and I think it was 
on some pirate stream that he was <laughs> speaking of pirates, uh, some pirate streaming. But um, there's a new Dracula miniseries. Oh yeah, the BBC one. Yeah, apparently that's coming available on Netflix this weekend. Okay. Yeah, I think he said Netflix. I think you're right. And uh, let's see. Um, I think he said the fourth. Yeah, the fourth. Netflix on the fourth, which is tomorrow. tomorrow. Um, so if you guys want to uh, start watching that when okay. it, when it hits and see if we like it, um, and of course Brian uh, also he said, um, "Oh man, big shout out to the Blood of Dracula." I th- uh, he he says like he think he thinks the, that uh, that they're paying homage to that in in uh, this new Dracula series because he goes the one where Peter Cushing jumps across the table. <laughs> So I think he's Oh, you mean Horror of Dracula? Horror of Dracula. Yeah, Blood yeah. of Dracula is yeah. the Warhol one. Right, okay. Yeah, Horror of Dracula. He's, he seems to think that they're paying homage in this series. Yeah, there's a lot of references. There's Doctor Who in there. Oh, great. Sherlock, because it's the same team. Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, and I jokingly said, what do they have, like the the uh, hot woman playing Van Helsing? And he goes, uh, well, yeah, sort of. <laughs> so... <laughs> I guess there's a different type. Yeah, I'll check it out. Yeah, so if that sounds like a fun thing, most of our listeners probably have their own Netflix or a password they could use, so that would be kind of cool. We could at least start watching it or binge through it, whatever you guys want to do, and oh. then uh, by then maybe uh, maybe I'll have a copy of The Lighthouse and we can watch that for the next episode afterward. Ooh, okay. Because I plan on owning that one because I like Robert Eggers' work, and I didn't get my sorry ass out to see it in the theater, so I, I want to... You know, I'm either going to wait forever for it to come on something or or just go buy it. Yeah, you can. I think you, you can only buy it now on Prime. Right. It's not for rent yet. Yeah. But I think I'd rather go pay the. Yeah, I'd rather have a physical copy. At that point, yeah. All right, guys, should we call it a show? Let's call it a show. Well, it's a show, and Happy New Year, listeners. Thank you for listening.